I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When the Canucks miss the playoffs again. When Jim Benning trades away all our picks. When Gold Alden is scratched for the third game in a row. C4 is there. With Sedin-like vision, Horvat's work ethic, and Petey's electric personality. Here comes the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast with Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Powered by Overtime Media. Well, the Vancouver Canucks have weathered a brutal November, so to speak, and are inching closer to a fully healthy roster, and we are solving the question about how we are going to fix their lineup. It is the C4 Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. We are live in on Discord. A special hello to the patrons who are listening live. It is Monday night. We are recording tonight's podcast in the middle of of the Vancouver Canucks contest against the Philadelphia Flyers as they continue their season-long six-game road trip halfway through. It does feel like it's a whole season long. And uh, it is Matt Lee, and that is Anna Forsyth. You can follow her at aforsyth 3 on Twitter. You can follow me at MattLee underscore 61. Chris Golden at LightForce, wrapped up with other duties as always. And uh, Adam Ovino-Carter working. Who knows where he is. Again, get the happy hour special at... Where's the place he works at again? Near Waterfront? Yeah, that's the one. Steamworks. Thank you. Who knows if he's still alive? I am not a good company man. Uh, Anna, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a while. One whole week. It's been a whole week. A yeah. whole 168 hours. Uh, how are you? Uh, have you been to uh, any games lately? No, because the Vancouver Canucks have been on the road. Yeah, and they'll be on the road forevermore. Um, the Vancouver Canucks halfway through, like we mentioned, that six-game road trip, which will conclude, I believe, this Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, so and then we're home against them on Monday. And then they're back entertaining those same Edmonton Oilers on Sunday night. We'll talk about the road trip so far, what we've learned, so to, so to speak. Uh, 
from those first three games of the road trip. Anything's changed uh, how we feel about the Vancouver Canucks and their playoff chances going forward. Speaking of playoff chances as well, Anna, a, a constant storyline that we'll be talking about throughout the season, so you might as well get used to it, about how optimistic or pessimistic you are of this team making the NHL playoffs for the first time since 2014. And like we mentioned off the top, we are looking at a Vancouver Canucks roster that is getting a little bit healthier day by day. We're going to solve the big conundrum that is facing this team, which is what does the lineup look like once everybody's returned to full health? All that's coming up next here on the C4 Podcast, CanucksHockeyBlog.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So, Anna, a uh, look at uh, maybe let's start with Saturday's game against the Washington Capitals. And it was an early one, of course. 930? 930. I that, mean, that's only 1230 in D.C. Like, what are they doing? As far as early games go, that has to be one of the earliest in recent memory that the Canucks fans have had to wake up for. So, yeah, because I think the earliest they usually go is 10. We did have against Jersey and Rangers. Mm-hmm. They both started at 10. Um but the thing is, 10 a.m. is like the earliest places will open that will show a game. So, so full disclosure, did you wake up in time for the start of this game? Yeah, I hosted. I was up at eight, and I was cooking. I don't know. I don't know what that's like. Cooking for my fancy, my other fancy hockey group. So your, your, I your other what? Like the other fantasy group that the isn't other the fantasy C- group. fantasy that isn't c4 by the way quick off the rails can someone please beat anna in the uh, c4 fantasy <laughs> hockey league she's like seven and oh i think right now this season she's the only undefeated team uh nexus at one nexus 187 on uh, discord he uh, shaded me very <laughs> narrowly in uh, this week's matchup but uh like i mentioned anna Forsythe seven and oh if you can believe it in our c4 fantasy hockey league if it, it is, helps i think i've won one it is in my other one it is like i, I don't know how how are you how are you doing it like do you do you want to give I'm us just... a quick sneak peek on like who's on your roster um, I know uh, Shameless uh, Canuck03 is following us right now in Discord. He's listening live. Uh, the defending champ, if you will. He's having a bit of a tough season so far. I'm sort of in the middle of the pack at this moment as well. Everyone's sort of breathing down at his neck, but again, undefeated, if you can believe it. I don't know. I, I mean, I've got McDavid. That's, that, helps. <laughs> that helps. It helps. But I think it just a lot of my middle-of-the-road guys are paying off. Like, they're kind of producing at a steady level. Um, and I've had lots of injuries, but they seem to have been very short term. So I haven't been bit too hard with yeah, that. Yeah. Um, getting back to uh, the Vancouver Connects versus Washington game, Anna, can I boldly suggest that despite it being just a, uh, a 2-1 game, it was actually feeling like one of the best performances we saw from the Vancouver Connects this season? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, defensively, as far, yeah, as far as like very tight team performances go, that felt very like it felt playoff esque. You know what I mean? Given um, the game where Caps came to Rogers and stole what was it four goals straight, five if you include overtime. Um, yeah, we were bleeding goals against them, so 
to keep it so tight defensively and keep it such a close game. Um, definitely impressive. Jacob Markstrom, of course, standing on his head in that one. Can we take a quick second to just appreciate what Jacob Markstrom is doing in the face of what has been a very turbulent period in his life? Of course, for those who have followed the story, Jacob Markstrom losing his father to cancer uh, not too long ago and continuing to play on this team and not only playing but shining on this team. Um, your thoughts on how Markstrom has been doing under what has been quite an emotionally duress of time. Yeah, I mean, everyone reacts in different ways. Um, you don't like to speculate too much about what he's actually going through. Um, but he is, without a doubt, had a tough go of things. And he is, like, not faltered at all in his performance. He was out, what, um, two weeks and then not even a week. Mm-hmm. And he came right back to it. And, um, yeah, he's just done his job. And you can see how much it means to him after every game when he either performs or he doesn't. He really, it really, he really takes it to heart. So, yeah, and you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Jacob Markstrom uh, in one of our later segments uh, in terms of contract talks. Elliot Friedman speculating that the Canucks uh, and Markstrom's camp will sit down at some point in the not too distant future to talk about a possible contract extension. Um, other tidbits from that game, Anna. Can we take a moment to appreciate what Elias Pettersson does on that power play? That one-timer bomb that just blew past Braden Holtby. Um, a thing of beauty, if you will. Oh, definitely. And I think um, I do like Braden Holtby as a goalie, but he really didn't look his best on Saturday. So, if anything, we could have tested him a bit more. But, um, yeah, PD certainly looked very good on that one. And, and I think it was, uh, I, th- I believe I saw an article from TSN uh, by Frank Saravelli just today talking about how Elias Pettersson has one of the best one-timers in the league. You know, you talk about players who have found that success with the one-timer, Alex Ovechkin, Steven Samkos, those two being the kings, if you will, of the one-timer. And he called Elias Pettersson the prince of the one-timer. Like, Elias Pettersson being one of those next great players that can unleash that one-timer from the face-off circles, if you will. Uh, it has been a treat to watch the evolution and how far he's come. Um, that one-timer looked just deadly on the weekend. Right, and um, Canucks obviously changed up their power play um, a few weeks ago, and that kind of took away that opportunity from PD to unleash that. So it's nice to see him get the opportunity to, yeah do that again i think the other thing that separates Pedersen from the likes of ovechkin and stamkos saravelli pointed out that Pedersen might actually have a higher degree of playmaking ability than those two players i mean ovechkin we know is always a shoot first kind of player but Pedersen does have the vision and playmaking ability that gives himself just a little bit of separation at least from steven stamkos yeah and i think well i mean he's younger for one so um, I think we have a lot to see. The fact that he's keeping up with these elite players um, so early in his career, I think that really shows. And I think he's, you know, arguably not even reached his prime yet. Um, other takeaways from this road trip, if you will, Anna, and we can talk about, you know, those first few games. Bit of a mixed bag on that road trip. The Dallas Stars game, it was a 6 1 loss. Not a whole lot to take, but the Canucks didn't really come out for that one. That was a depressing game to watch. I was literally in such a foul mood afterwards. 
my roommate asked me what was wrong she thought something very bad had happened because I was just in such a foul mood but it was just like it was aggravating how much they just gave up right and I'll paint the scene from my perspective like I'm I'm at home I'm making dinner I'm sort of watching the game as I'm making dinner I'm like oh yeah it's a nice quiet night for myself and I just felt pissed off just like you did yeah. um there was just a complete no-show, I thought, from the Canucks in that performance. They did not come out ready to play in that one. And the Stars just poured it on as the game went on. And, of course, they scored a couple meaningless goals towards the end there as well. But, man, the Canucks just looked completely outmatched. And that's now two games where they look pretty outmatched against the Dallas Stars, who we acknowledge have been very good as of late. But for all the negatives that we saw from the Dallas Stars game, the Canucks rebounded quite nicely against the Nashville Predators. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, once again, it does seem that the special teams are key. Um, and you think? Yeah. Five but power play goals. Five on five, not so much. Like, not so much dominating there. But the fact that they didn't get dominated either and they put themselves in the position to score that um, those goals were, like, I think was really important. It was exciting to watch. Um they kept disciplined when Nashville were kind of falling apart in that regard. Um, obviously, that can't be a style of play that you can keep on forever. But if you can bring it in big games like that, then, yeah, that's satisfying. Sticking with the power play, we have seen before the Nashville game that power play had been quite stagnant, if you will, not finding as much success as they had earlier in October. When you go five for six on the power play, is there a rhyme or reason why the Canucks started finding as much success as they did against the Nashville Predators? Or was this a case where the Vancouver Canucks just maybe changed a couple small details? I don't know how they managed to put five power play goals past Pecorine that night. Um, yeah, neither do I, um, necessarily. Um, we do give Newell Brown a lot of... Um, yeah, criticism and some of it well-deserved, but um, he has been able to roll with the punches quite well with the change in personnel that have come into the Canucks lineup recently. Um, I think everyone was quite surprised when mm-hmm. um, Tyler Gravak, how yep. do you say his name? Tyler Gravak. Yeah, let's just kind of skip over that one. Um, scored that power play goal, green included, but um, Neil Brown had been working on that with him. So, um, yeah. I was honestly just very impressed that um, they were able to stick to the system and make it work. The other thing that I wanted to bring up, uh, I believe it was Frank Cervelli's article again from TSN, and I know I've pumped that up three times now. They mentioned how everyone on that power play one unit, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, JT Miller, and Quinn Hughes, they all seem to know that that power play unit is Elias Pettersson's unit. Right, yeah, I think um, Elias Pedersen talked about that, yeah, in the post game. I can't remember who asked him about it, but yeah, they were, um, and Miller as well. But I think it can only serve the Canucks well to let, like, PD have that responsibility because his hockey IQ yeah. is almost second to none. Um, so if he is, like, driving the bus on that, I think and giving players that responsibility, mm-hmm. like, definitely 
will be a good thing for the Canucks going forward. Yeah, I think so. And uh, the key word that you're using is that Pedersen is effectively quarterbacking that power play. Like, it's his unit. He runs the direction. They just they know what to do under his direction. Um, obviously, Pedersen being in one on the top of the faceoff circles, it makes sense that he's sort of quarterbacking that power play. And you mentioned it, Anna, is that as a second-year pro, he's already figuring out the responsibilities of shouldering a power play unit to himself that's nothing but positives and it's nice to see that Pedersen's taking that responsibility on it's a responsibility he was going to get eventually but it seems quite clear among those four teammates that play with him that they know who drives the bus they know who's the focal point of that power play it is a role that we hope Pedersen continues to embrace for the next 10 to 12 years and whatnot so it, it is nice to see, and we're hoping for even more continued success from Power Play 1. Of course, it's not going to be 5 for 6 every night. No. But, you know, this is a unit that we expect and hope will be a top 5 unit for the next foreseeable future. Um, yeah, and I think just to go back to Pedersen and his... I just think his hockey IQ is so good that that's exactly why you don't want a player like that in an official leadership position. Mm-hmm. Because he's just like focusing on entirely on his game. And sure, because he's a star player, he'll always be like a focus for interviews and autographs and stuff like that. But I think as much like as you can shut him out from having to provide any sort of bigger leadership role and just focus on his game and what he can do for the team and the power play especially, I think that's just going to be better for him. So, again, it's being Monday night, uh, not talking too much tonight about the Philadelphia Flyers game the Vancouver Canucks are currently in. It is, what is it, 2-1 now for the Philadelphia Flyers. Jake Voracek scoring midway through the third period to give the Flyers that lead. Um, We'll talk about, however, the rest of this road trip, Anna. And, of course, it continues uh, later in the week against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who just got Chris Letang back in their lineup and concludes on Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. We were here at this time last week talking before that road trip sort of began, that six-game road trip, thinking maybe you'd feel better if we just got two wins out of it. Well, the Vancouver Canucks now have two wins already under their belt. So it seems like on the surface... That everything beyond that is just gravy. Um, yeah, I think I think we kind of said that 500 would be the result we'd want if we're still looking at the Canucks as a um, potential playoff team. Um, and you have to kind of hang tough on with those Eastern Conference opponents as well um, if you're like a legit pa- playoff contender. Um, I do think there's still some winnable games left on this road trip. I mean, if we beat wash, if you beat the Caps, like you really have put yourself out there as like a legit team. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we won't dwell too much on the Flyers game, but Flyers don't look amazing. The Canucks should be dominating them a little bit more than they are. Right, and we're not obviously going to talk too much about the Flyers game, but the Canucks still within reach in this game, so it is still up for the taking. For me, I look at the Saturday one against the Edmonton Oilers as that must-win, if you will, just because that's a team that the Vancouver Canucks are obviously chasing. The Edmonton Oilers, number one in the conference for the first time, I believe, since 1990 at this point. I mean, you've got to think the wheels are going to come off that. You think so, but but here we are approaching December, and the Edmonton Oilers are still hanging around atop the conference. So at some point, they're no longer a mirage, if you will. Yeah, 
I don't know if I'm ready to face up to that now. I mean, they have the best player in the league on their team. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah. from a pure chasing points, chasing teams perspective, I'm really looking at that Edmonton game as, you know, it's circled on my calendar, if you will. Oh, yeah. And you're, you're looking to end that road trip on a positive note. Plus, you're coming back the very next night against those same Edmonton Oilers. I'm that's, really hoping that the Canucks can steal four points in those two games. That's huge if you win both of those, I think. So Against a um, divisional opponent there. So I'm hoping that the Canucks bring their best, and I'm, I'm sure they will bring their best on that Saturday night game against the Edmonton Oilers, but like it's a primetime game, hockey night in Canada. Uh, you know, the country for the most part, anyway, the ones that are still awake, they're watching this <laughs> game. Um you know, you look at Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and what they're doing for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, I feel like they're accounting for maybe fifty percent of their entire offense right, at this point. Like, it is a elite. huge test for the Canucks. Have the Canucks even played the Oilers yet this year, or has it been a yeah. while? Um, yeah, we haven't played them as much as we usually do. That's I like guess it, the I reason. I feel like for the maybe we played home. them at the start of the season and yeah. haven't played since. It feels like a day, a, a long time since we played the Edmonton Oilers. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. That's the that's the term that they use. Um, yeah, it feels like it's been a while since the Canucks have played the Edmonton Oilers. Um, if you were to put your, you know, fortune goggles on, if you will, what are you thinking the Canucks get out of the remainder of this road trip? Um, so we've got, is it just Pittsburgh? Yep. And Edmonton left? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to say four points. More. Yes. Four more points, right. Hmm. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's gotten better. They got yeah, I. Back um, I'm predicting. I mean, that could be two loser points and a win, yeah. or two wins. I'm thinking they'll get three. Three. Yeah. But again, like if you're getting six points out of a possible twelve, twelve, in total. Yeah. Six times two is 12. No, 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 no. They have four so far on this road trip. So if they get another three, you're getting seven seven out of 12. Um, I would have taken that at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we said we were like, we'd be over the moon with eight. Yeah. But I think. Seven is a win though. Seven is a win. Six is acceptable. Yes. But anything less than that is kind of a failure at this point. Yeah. I think it definitely, yeah, takes the... Yeah, the takes away, off. away from the argument of Canucks being a right. playoff team for sure. Um, we'll take a bit of a break. When we come back, we'll talk about lineup discussion. And this is really the meat of the podcast is how do you fix this lineup when you have so many forwards in your lineup? Uh, all coming up next here on the C4 Podcast, CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? Because he was mad. 
Well, your early favorite for the Calder <laughs> Trophy, that's for sure, Elias Pettersson. You might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He can play. He's going to get a lot of power play time. And yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200 point players, and we've got to find a way to score. So the Canucks away on the longest road trip of the season, mm. but they'll that means they're back in Rogers soon for a little homestand. And what we're we're offering is um, a chance to get your tickets for any of those home games with Vivid Seats. I'm looking to go to a game on December 12th. By De- the by, December 12th. Yeah. So you're going to hit up the Vivid Seats app for that. Mm. Yeah, because really, like, there's. It's coming up to Christmas. Are you going to maybe give that as a gift? A little gift to myself. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, Matt doesn't have any friends to go Playing with. in the Carolina Hurricanes, by the way. Nice. Bunch I, of jerks versus team like that. I mean, the Canes are fun. Like, you can't get around that. So I, um, I might be looking for another little game as a Christmas treat there. Um, I am already going to two games in December, but you know what? Like... What? I work hard like let's maybe give myself a little extra treat but I don't think I could be affording it unless it was for someone like Vivid Seats so I will be hitting up the Vivid Seats app I'll be entering the promo code overtime and then you can save up to 100 bucks um might also check out some other live events non-hockey events some concerts going on Celine Dion, um, she's coming to town. <laughs> Maybe not that one. The farewell tour. What? <laughs> what? You're not a big Celine fan? Uh, I like her as a person. I'm not sure her music is my thing, but there'll be there's plenty of other concerts. I'm more power of, a, of love. More of an indie kid. Because you love so. me. Okay, so Matt is going to Celine Dion, and it's him all coming back to me now. You and Adam can go to that, um, and me and Chris will go to something better. Celine um, Dion is a national treasure. I would like to point that out. I think she is. And I will be looking at the Vivid Seats app to see if I can cash in on some good Celine Dion tickets. You and Adam have a little, a little date. <sighs> you know it. Um, thank you for that, Anna. Uh, so the Vancouver Canucks, um, before tonight's game against the Philadelphia Flyers, mentioned Jay Beagle day-to-day. Michael Furlan will join the team in Pittsburgh tomorrow. Uh, it sounds like Antoine Roussel is headed to Utica for a short conditioning stint as well. Tyler Mont still at least a couple weeks away. But there you have it, Anna. You have three forwards who are getting close to returning to the Vancouver Canucks. Brandon Sutter still... Did I say Brandon Sutter already? Day-to-day? You didn't, but he's still... He's also still... Like, you have effectively four players who are about a week away from returning, plus another one two weeks away. It suddenly gets very crowded in the Vancouver Canucks lineup. Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, Canucks are going to have to make a decision. Um, and figure it out. Um, that's going to be a tricky one, that's for sure, because there is a lot of jags in this lineup yeah. that can do third or fourth line jobs. I am. I'm just trying to figure out. First of all, let's figure out what to. What are the easy sort of lineup decisions that this team can make at this point? Let me ask you this first one: Is it an easy decision? By virtue of his contract, that Adam Gaudet should be one of the first players sent down. I mean, this is assuming the easy ones like Tyler Grayovac and Zach McEwen are sent down as well. Yeah, and I think, by the way, that's the reason they're playing so much, is right. that they're about to go down. So, 
back on Gardet, is Gardet one of the first casualties of this team getting healthy? Honestly, I'm not sure. That, like, I know we need to make, like, more than one decision, but Adam Gordet has been playing really well. Mm-hmm. And he just drives to the net really easily, and he's kind of like that player that we hoped Jake would be, where he's just, like, putting the pucks on net, driving to the net. Um, so I don't think I can, in good conscience, say that we should send him down. Okay, well, we'll get back to that in a second. What about this other quote-unquote easy decision? What do you do with Louis Erickson when these four forwards come back to full health? I just think, given how crowded it's going to be, given you're going to have to make some rough decisions and there might be casualties and there might be people going down who don't necessarily deserve to, but they're just getting squeezed out, how can you justify keeping Louis, thanks for coming, Ericsson on the roster? That's what his friends call him. Thanks yeah. for coming. I mean, just to take tonight's game in a microcosm, he had a hit credited, then taken away because it was him that got hit. <laughs> that was his first contribution this season, and it was actually not a real thing. Okay, so moving beyond those two quote-unquote easy decisions... You have Louis Erickson, at least not in the starting 12. Is that safe to say? Yeah. Do you have him in the press box as an extra forward at this point, though? I say no. Like, what's the point anymore? So is the best decision to waive him and send him to Utica and save that $1 million and free up yeah, that one roster I think, spot? Yeah, m- I, and I've said this from the beginning, not so much for the cap space. It's for the message that, like... He hasn't tried. And he's also had, like, let's be clear here. Louis Erickson has had opportunities in this lineup while yeah, there tonight. have been injuries. For example. he It's not like he's getting 30 seconds of playing time, or as I call it, the Pod Colson in the KHL treatment. Like, he's getting mean, minutes. not Maybe not meaningful minutes, but he's getting maybe eight minutes per game to try and show something to Travis Green. And there's no effort. It's not like he's getting unlucky. It's not a lack of puck luck. He's, yeah, the effort's just not there. So, like, free up the roster spot. Who cares about the cap? The cap is, like, space issue is negligible, right? But Right. So give me your top line right now, assuming that you have Tyler Mott, that you have Tim Schaller, that you have Jay Beagle, that you have Brandon Sutter, all back and healthy. Um, Miller PD Besser. Okay. And we can acknowledge that maybe you juggle Miller down to the second line. You if might have needed, someone else. But in. I wouldn't. Yeah, like yep. I'd start him. As a so if you have Miller, Patterson, and Bester as your first line, who's on your second? Pearson. Yep. Bo. Yep. Maybe Gordet on the wing. Maybe. Yep. Just because I don't want to, like, have him squeezed out just for lack of a center spot. Yep. And then on your third line, and this is where you start to get into the point where you have to integrate some of those players who are returning from injuries back yeah. into your lineup. So that third line, how does it look in your mind? Um... <laughs> I haven't but, been this uncomfortable I since I sat in a booth with Chris. <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't been this uncomfortable since they first closed the door when we were stuck in here together. Um, 
I think you've got to have Sutter centering in that third line. Yeah. Maybe okay. you put Michael Furland on the left, but I don't really uh-huh, like uh-huh, it. Uh huh. Um. And who's on the right? Jake. Okay. So some of the notable omissions that you currently have, off the top of my head, you've got Josh Levo <laughs> yeah, missing. Yeah, I know. You've I got know. Antoine Roussel missing. You've got Jay Beagle, Tyler Mott, Tim Schaller. Okay, um, I'm going to say... Okay, actually, do you know what I would rather do? Okay, here we go. But I know it would never happen, is that I put Levo on the third line and put Furland on the fourth line. Okay. With Sutter and... Um, not Sutter, uh, Beagle and... Roussel. Roussel. So that means Tim Schaller, Tyler Mott, yeah. all extras at this point? Yeah. I mean... Where do you have Vertanen again? On the third line. With So it would be Vertanen, Sutter. Sutter, and Levo? Yeah, maybe I, maybe we need to put Furland there. You know, it's going to be like one of, Furland and Levo. Right. I mean, you're splitting hairs when you're talking yes, about placement exactly. in terms of who's on the third and who's on the fourth. But the important thing that you're trying to stress is that all things considered, all players healthy, you would have Tim Schaller and Tyler Mott in the press box. You would have Louis Erickson, Adam Gaudet, Sven Berchi, as I well as Zach that. McEwen and uh, I know. I've been too, Tyler Grayovac in Utica. I've been waving the flag for Berchi big time. I just think he's not been given the chance to be the player that Travis Green wants him to be. Do you think that he's not given the chance? Yes. How many times has he been scratched since he's back? Berchie? Yeah. Yeah, a, a few times for sure. Yeah. And what's the averaging in terms of ice time though? I mean, I'll let you look it up, but yeah, okay. I'll, I'll I'll buy you some time while you look it up. I, I I don't know if I agree though. I think Sven Berchie, in my mind, from what I've gathered, is a square peg trying to fit into a round hole from Travis Green. Is Sven Berchie, like I said, the kind of guy who could have helped us back in 2017, 18, when we had a lack of top end talent? Yes, but is Sven Berchi now still serviceable when you have top six options in JT Miller and Brock Besser all in your lineup? That's where it gets tricky for me. I think the time has come and gone for Sven Berchi to be on this Canucks roster, and it does pain me to say it because I'm not taking anything away from him as a player who has come back from some very serious injuries. But if the Canucks were to explore a trade option, I feel like Sven Berchi would be the likeliest candidate. Yeah. Do you have some stats on how much he has been playing? Um, I'm... I'm... No. I'm getting there. Um, but I think it is decent. I don't think he's been relegated in his time. If someone has faster internet than me, please feel free to jump in. Um, yeah, the I do see what you're saying. Um, I just wonder if you like look at the roster as a whole, like, and the people that are like. I guess that's what I'm more thinking of. That when you look at the roster as a whole, um, are they like is Fabacci really less deserving of a place than? people on the bottom end of this yeah um for the record Sven Berchi has averaged anywhere from 10 to 12 minutes every right, game okay. he has been playing 
So he has been getting, what can we say, at least like middle six minutes? Right. Middle six, yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, I think you're right in that he probably has some trade value, whereas a lot of the players in like, that I'm middle not, six I'm not willing don't. to trade Jake Vertanen or, when it comes to Vertanen or Sven Berchi. Right. I just look at someone like Levo and I'm wondering if he is just a Pearson light. Like, I think Pearson has effectively taken his place at this point, too. I think I'd agree with that. I guess I'm wondering if... Is there a spot on the third line for him? No. You didn't think so? I think if you... Uh, and I know this has been quite a divisive player in Discord, but if you ask me to pick between Josh Levo and Sven Berchi, I'm still taking Josh Levo. I don't know if I can do it as easy, but that's maybe just because I think... He's been hard done by this season, but then maybe just because he's been hard done by doesn't necessarily mean that he deserves a spot. Just, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, thank you for your lineup, and I'll, I'll quickly. <laughs> I, I mean, was that a lineup? It was just. Well, I know, and we acknowledge first of all that this is like a very hard decision to make, and no one is envious of how the Vancouver Canucks are going to figure this out. I'll quickly say that I have the same top line as you, Miller, Miller, Pedersen, and Besser. I have Pearson, Horvat, and Vertanen on the second line at this Oof. point. I know he's been getting some looks on the second line and most recently played on the fourth, but still holding out hope that maybe we're seeing a bit of a turning of the corner for Jake Vertanen. I have Roussel, Sutter, and Furland on the third line because I want to see that just for the lulls of Roussel and Furland on one line. That's something. And I have Tyler Mott penciled into the fourth line because I know he's a Travis Green guy. Yeah, I just think one of Shala, Mott, Beagle, someone has to sit in that kind of drag group, right? Two of them have to sit at least. Yeah. I I I mean I, I'm right there with you. Like I'm not the biggest Tyler Mott backer, but Tyler or Travis Green does seem to have some sort of fascination with having Tyler Mott or Tim Schaller in his lineup. For reasons I cannot explain. If I were to have I'm not my, arguing that like yeah. If I were to Green have my way like him. I personally wouldn't mind to see Tyler Mott get waived. I don't know what value he brings. Yeah. I really don't. Okay, well I think we're agreed on that. That's I've, what I've, a perspective I'm coming from. I've kind of actually turned the corner a little bit on what Tim Schaller brings to the table. Like Tim Schaller in his way is quite an effective fourth line player. And this is, of course, acknowledging like he scored a few goals this year, which is more than he's okay, done last season. Okay, but yeah, season. that was, I think, a brief hot streak not to be repeated. Um, but for me, the, I, I just think all roads lead to Adam Gaudet being sent back to Utica. Yeah, honestly. Just but because we know of what, ease of contract. The, in terms of contracts and cap management, it's the easiest thing to do. And... I think if you're Jim Benning and you're Travis Green, you're telling Adam Gaudet not to be discouraged from it, but and that there are going to be injuries which will necessitate him being called right back up not far from now. But Gaudet is a victim of the numbers. He's a victim of his contract, and he does seem like the easiest to go. As much as I was here last week saying Gaudet has cemented his role in this lineup. But he hasn't stopped playing well. Um, I... I would love to see him stay, um, even in a winger role, maybe even preferably in a winger role. 
Um, yeah, I'd love to see him stay in the lineup. It's upsetting when you just get Jags hanging around mm-hmm. when you do see a like decent talent in someone like Godet. But yeah, he does seem to like Tyler Mott a lot. Um, we don't know what we have in Furland. I know we're hoping he is a top-end player, but we just don't know yet. Any chance that there's a trade in the offing? I don't know. I don't know if Jim has the kind Mental of... fortitude? Yeah. I mean, Canucks are in a tight spot. So what kind of team is going to just help them out? They would have to take a L somewhere in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the problem when you let it get to the stage where you're already in a tight spot. We knew that this was going to be a problem as soon as Roussel was close to returning, though. Like, yeah. we've had time to speculate and prepare, and I'm sure Jim has had time to prepare, but here we are on the eve of Antoine Roussel returning to the lineup, and we still don't have a solution. Yeah. Jim Benning was probably looking at it like, oh, that's for future Jim to worry about. Well, future Jim is here, and it's still not figured out. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to take a bit of a break. We'll come back uh, talking about playoffs. Playoffs? Are you kidding me? Playoffs? You know where that's from, right? No. Never mind. He liked to say the F word. Oh, then get the f*** here then. Okay, see ya. It's going to have the F word on it. I wish I could give you a explanation about it. I can't. You, 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 out of here. You said the F word, Dad. You called me the F word. Yes, I did mix up the segments, Anna. Once again, it's uh, just you write these down in an order. Speaking, I don't of come which, up with the order. Um, you didn't understand the uh, the playoffs reference. No. I would like to say a special shout out to Annalise, friend of the show, who mentioned to me on Twitter that she understood the Office reference that I dropped last week. Yeah. So even your friends have better pop culture. T- like taste I tried you. with the office it's just no one there as good you as the British okay, one okay let's settle down there simmer down okay nowhere near as good it's not um so the Vancouver Canucks Anna uh, heading into tonight anyway holding down third place in the Pacific Division we've seen that they're what four five and three thus far in November so it's not a great month if you will and that's well documented but have you seen anything from the Vancouver Canucks through the first 25 or so games of the NHL regular season for you to take a stance uh, one way or the other if this team is going to make the playoffs? Um, I've always been saying that they're a bubble team. If anything, I'm going to say that like we've maybe dropped in my estimation come like just missing out on the playoffs mm-hmm. um but i don't know we're still like we're still not out of it right we're still in third place in the pacific yep um i think colorado have a game up on us but um yeah the i don't see anything that convinces me that like we're gonna make the playoffs interesting are you 
Are you getting positive? Okay, so here's is the thing. positive Matt coming no, out again? No, it is positive Matt, but I, I number one, look at the the teams that the Vancouver Canucks are keep competing with in the postseason. I don't think anyone really expected the Edmonton Oilers to be this good, this late. Yeah. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights are currently holding on, I believe, to one of the last Ooh, playoff the last wild, wild, card. wild card spots. Yeah. The Calgary Flames, I don't think anyone expected that for them to take this much of a regression. Yeah, San Jose too. I don't. I think people expected them to drop a bit. Maybe not. Well, they had a very bad October, but they've been turning it around a little bit more lately. I I, I just think given all of that and how kind of messy the whole situation is, the Canucks do have a fighting chance at the playoffs. Sure. It's just like if the form of the teams below us continues. Because it's less than a third of the way through. But... Don't forget. As well, like if the Vancouver Canucks can have what we can describe as a piss poor November and still be holding on to a playoff spot like only a couple points if you will behind the Edmonton Oilers with a game in hand like if they can be have a mediocre November and still be in it I think that shows that they still have the chops to make the playoffs and they're getting back to full health yeah I mean this we've said we said it last week too um how they the lineup kind of adjusts with the insertion of these new players will be like completely key i think going down the road because we did say that we thought the injuries might be more serious Mm -hmm. um as they usually are for canucks in like alex the winter months like i thought he was done for another month after the washington game we thought chris tanef was broken no. Again, which time? Yeah, exactly. He just keeps on rebuilding. So I, I don't know. I, it's very difficult. But if I had to pick, I still would say that the Canucks are a wild card team at worst. At worst. Wow. Like I'm not exactly. Oh, I kind of do actually though. I was going to say, I'm not looking forward to a Vancouver versus Edmonton first round series, but I kind of want to see that. Oh, yeah. That would be super fun. Um, I would not like to see Connor McDavid for seven games, though. Oh, yeah. But I feel like it would be a good Why don't you just jump spirit. into my nightmares, Connor McDavid, star of the Anna fantasy team? Yeah, he is. Um, so if you had to take a stance, though, you're still thinking that they missed the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think still. Like, if you push me previously i would say they're making it but i'm just hopping either side here I know, like i'm so close to the fence straddling that fence like a real well, fence sitter but if you push me i will fall off the fence and i'm saying no playoffs yeah at enough. this stage but it's gonna change every single week i think i think so too um and a couple more bits and bobs before we wrap things up here on the c4 podcast uh, elliot freeman over the weekend saying that the vancouver canucks and jacob markstrom's camp are expected at some point in the not too distant future to talk contract extension this seems to be the first time really that we're hearing word that both sides are committed to hopefully getting something done let me ask you what does jacob markstrom's contract look like if you were to put pen to paper um, I mean, we've seen him, like, once again command, like, the net. Like, whenever he's called upon, he's, like, puts in a commanding performance. But he does have that Demko really nipping at his heels. Like, including today, he's had a good performance again. 
But whether he's ready to be number one, I don't think that's necessarily true. So was Marky on at the moment three point something? Yeah, I think he's at three and a half. Three point something, okay. It's three and a half. I mean, I think you re like I think you try and spend big to keep term low. Yep. That's what I would do. Five years? I would rather not. It seems like a lot. That seems like a lot. I don't know. How old is Jacob Markstrom? I think he's turning around 27 now. I'll look it up. But what is the most term you would give to Jacob Markstrom if you were you were the Canucks? Well, he had... 29, by the way. So yeah, he's actually... I think three kind years, of in, no? Maybe in, he's already at least, if not in his prime, past his prime. We're getting towards... Yeah, I think... He's approaching he, the back nine, if you will, of his career. Don't know what that means. Um, <sighs> but, yeah, I don't... He hasn't dropped off yet, that's for sure. He's still, like, definitely playing um, at the top of his game, I think. Um, so, arguably, his prime is yet to come, but I doubt that we're going to see a huge leap forward. So, I think you want to keep under three years, don't you? I think so too, but I don't but know how his, much she'd be willing to do that. That's the thing. That's his current contract is three. So I think he's looking for his one big payday, so to speak, because he hasn't really had that yet. Yeah. Like, I think Markstrom's camp probably wants that five-year term that I'd mention or more. And I would be kind of skittish to give that to him if I was Jim Benning. Yeah. Like, I completely agree. Because like, you have that Demko here. Right now, and it's getting close to entering his prime. That is exactly right. Like we are saying that it's within one or two years that Thatcher Demko becomes number one, right? Right. So what you're saying is you're open to a contract extension with Jacob Markstrom, but yes. you're hoping that the Canucks have more leverage in this particular case because they have Demko, because they have Mikey DiPietro, because Jacob Markstrom is 29 years old. Well, yes, it I definitely think right. they have the backup. Right. But I cannot see the resistance from Jacob Markstrom. Like, he's 29 years old. Like, taking another three-year contract mm-hmm. is just so risky for him because then it's just like he could so easily be done after that if his play drops off in the last year. Right. So if you were to gaze into your crystal ball, what does the future look like for Jacob Markstrom, say, in 2020? I mean, I would say that he should be stepping back at that point, right? Mm. Not that I, I mean, and I mean by that next season, 2020, that should be... Is he still Canuck in 2020? Yes. Mm. Like, start of next season? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I see I, a scenario where he's not here. I just think you... S- you still can get some value out of him. And ideally you want to keep under three years if possible. But then again, if you if he wants the longer term, then there might be more leverage to keep the dollars down and then that might be a more tradable contract. Here's the thing what we could do. Okay. The Vancouver Canucks, there is a scenario where the Canucks could sign Markstrom to a contract, expose him during expansion and protect Thatcher Demko. Right, you and have, there to, might, pro- there you might have be, to protect that. There might be some hesitation on Seattle's part to take a, a goaltender of Jacob Markstrom's kind of contract if they were to give him, say, that five-year contract. Right. 
but that that's a big risk, right? It is a risk. But I think you have to protect Thatcher Demko, and you can't protect two goalies. That's just so you're so you're without question whether he's here or not. No matter what contract he is, you're protecting Thatcher Demko at yeah. the expansion draft yeah. over Jacob Markstrom. Yeah, mm, interesting. Aren't you? I I I would, but <laughs> I, I'm just I'm that trying. Was a weird to, voice. I'm processing in my head if there would be some interest in Seattle to take Jacob Markstrom. I mean, the thing is... I don't know what other goaltenders could be available at the expansion draft, but I'd imagine Markstrom would be on that short list. Sure. I, I don't, don't think anyone give... wants Corey Schneider. Let's put it that way. I mean, probably won't be in the NHL at that point, so... I don't think you can take AHL goalies, can you? No. No. So, um, that's the thing, and... Given the lack of like value goalies get, mm-hmm. signing to trade is quite a big ask as well. But I guess you're not signing to trade; you're just like having the trade option down the way. Mm. You know who I could see being available in the expansion draft? A bit off the rails. Sure. Braden Holby. Hmm. How is he now? I mean, he's fine. But you got Ilya Samsonov in the back in the backup spot, and he's obviously young. It's it's a very similar situation to what the Canucks have with Markstrom and Demko. Right. Yeah, he's still pretty good, and he yeah he's thirty now. So so it's it's not entirely far fetched. Anyway, he's younger than I thought though. Yeah, uh, he has a very grizzled face. Yeah, so. I imagine he's eaten some pucks. I think throughout um, the years. And Beardy Connect just bring, bring, bring this up in Discord that I believe. Holpe is a unrestricted free agent as well after the season, so that isn't also part of the the deal. Right. So again, even more sort of same situation as uh, Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko. Uh, and as we wrap things up here on the C4 podcast, any last thoughts? Um, no, I'm just excited to see out the rest of this road trip, and yeah, by the time we talk next, I think we'll definitely see um, what the sort of real canucks look like yep uh and a reminder that you can find the c4 podcast on twitter at the c4 podcast you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash the c4 podcast on the web c4 podcast.com and as always encouraging you to join us on discord you can find us at bit.ly slash c4 discord that's in all caps again bit b-i-t dot l-y slash c4 discord all caps that is where you can find us my last thoughts, I am, again, just hoping for another three points from this road trip. The Vancouver Canucks dropping a 2-1 decision of the Philadelphia Flyers. So now officially 2-2 two and two on this road trip, if my memory serves correctly. Yeah, they've lost to Dallas and Philly now. So currently batting 500, hoping for at least one more win uh, between Pittsburgh and Edmonton. And uh, Vancouver Canucks will return home on Sunday for a back to back or the end of a home and home series with the Edmonton Oilers uh, Anna on behalf of the C4 podcast on behalf of Chris Golden who's not here and at Adam Ovenel Carter we're out thanks for listening to the C4 podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com